Welcome into a brand new Jock Market Power Hour for this week's Honda Classic. I'm Rick Gabe and that right there, Joe Idoni. Joe, home game for you. This is always an exciting one. Yeah, finally, like for one week I'm on site. You're back in the comforts of, of the Las Vegas studio there. So uh, I'm excited for this. I mean, it's it's sort of been my, my hometown event. Uh, this will be my either ninth or tenth consecutive year going. I know for some it may be a little let down, sandwiched in the middle of like elevated event season, but uh, these are a lot of our guys, and, and Jock Market is so great because there's a price for each and every one of them. Okay, so that's kind of what I was thinking, and I I looked at the outright market, and I was like, ah, boy, I don't know, right? Like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like anybody could win this, but what I love is seeing the guy who is you know, 150 to one and saying, okay, I just need him to finish like 40th or better. You know what I mean? Just, just find the guys that I'm higher on than everyone else is and not necessarily worry about whether that equals a win, a top 10, a top 20 or whatever. It's just, did I get them right? Was I right when everyone else was wrong? Yeah, and kind of the the funny and quirky and unique part about PGA National is you can be right for like, 34 holes and then the 35th hole can make you look very wrong um it is extremely volatile which we should see some giant swings in the market of players moving up and down quickly which should make for fun uh sort of in play stuff and it's just it's a hard one to really tap just because there's there's landmines everywhere you step uh certainly are water lurking off most tees and just big numbers out there for sure so we're playing stock market dfs this is jock market where tonight the ipo is it's currently open and it's going to close a little bit before 9 p.m or right around 9 p.m eastern time so you can bid on these shares of golfers and if uh, you're one of the high bidders at nine o'clock. Those shares are allocated to you. You could also short golfers if you don't, if you think their price is too high or you're more bearish on them than everybody else is. And Joe, we have to mention it again because jock market is no longer just a stock market game. Uh, they've expanded into pickums, which we don't have golf pickums yet. They told us a couple of weeks. So I think we're getting pretty close, but all the four major sports are available. Yep, four major sports you can do, uh, much like probably many of the other pick'em apps that you're familiar with, two up to five players, um, and and it works as kind of a multiplier effect the more that you put in there. So it's nice because you, a lot of us, um, you can build up a portfolio over time with Jock Market, and especially with PGA, it's a little bit more of a a slower-moving thing just because it's a process that starts here Wednesday night and doesn't ultimately culminate until Sunday night. Um, but it's nice that you can get in on NBA late date night action. And um, it's definitely something worth checking out in there. Yeah. If you are looking to get involved for the first time, we have a promo code that'll get you a hundred dollar deposit bonus. It's power. There's a link in the description. You can rock and roll. If you need a concrete example, how about I give you one? Because here is last week, uh, the Genesis Invitational, John Rahm, Never seems to disappoint. Sold for $11 per share last week. Paid out the full $25 per share payout. Max Oma came close. Uh, $20 payout for finishing second. He went for $8.25 last Wednesday. So that's an $11.75 share per profit. And then uh, you got a couple cheapies in here, at least some some, uh, less expensive golfers like Keith Mitchell went for $4.76 last week. Sold for, or excuse me, finished at $15 a share. Matt Kuchar, $391 into $12. And even Scotty Scheffler, who um, was kind of always around the first page of the leaderboard, but was never 
like threatening to win this golf tournament. If you paid ten dollars and ten cents per share for him last week, you only lost ten cents per share. You didn't get wiped by Scotty. So this is the board from last week. Yeah, absolutely. I had some shares of Scotty, so it was comforting. It felt like he was never really in that tournament. Um, but like you mentioned, was able to to return just just barely um of what is it less than one percent loss there. Uh, but you see all the other guys like we see it week in and week out, Rick, where these guys sort of hovering around that four to five dollar mark are the ones that make the biggest jumps in ROI. Obviously, that was Keith Mitchell last week. That was Sahith Sagala. That was Adam Svensson, who had a massive ROI return. Um, so it'll be definitely with with lesser names like you don't have to worry about thank god we get a week off from john rom with the tear that he's been in it's been impressive but from a betting and fantasy standpoint uh it's nice where to feel like we're back in the world of golf where anyone can win this thing (laughs) yeah so here are here are just the all of these guys paid out between 775 and 950 last week and none of them were more expensive than five dollars i'll just Rattle on Wolf, Harris English, Denny McCarthy, Shane Lowry, Seamus Power, Tom Hoagie, Danny Willett, Lee Hodges. Guys that uh, never really threaten to win the golf tournament, especially when you've got the big boppers at the top in Rom, Home, and Cantlay. But all of them, fairly cheap last week, turned you a pretty significant profit. So lots of different ways to get in and get involved. Uh, turning our attention to the Honda Classic, Joe, you already alluded to it. You know, this is part of golf. There's, there's water out there, and PGA National is... Certainly no joke. Uh, one of the most difficult courses that we get on the schedule. Obviously, the bear trap, a very difficult three-hole stretch. But spoiler alert, there are even harder holes on this golf course uh, that are just not involved in having a cool, fun nickname. So th- this is this is going to be a true test, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Number four through six, I believe last year actually played harder at this course. Number six is a par five, Rick, that they turn into a par four for this event. Um, it should pretty much be a par five with the scoring <laughs> average is like right around like 4.6 or seven strokes. Um, so it, it's a very difficult hole. There's a ton of them out there. Number 10 is another one where they've now added like in, if there, as if there wasn't enough, like OB penalty, there's now internal OB on number nine and 10 that they've added to the course. So annually plays is the toughest, uh, stop every year, pretty much on tour, um, in terms of scoring average. And it's pretty much the volatility. There's more balls in the water that you're going to be used to seeing. And there's guys who, if you listen to some of the player comments in years past, it's a lot of taking your medicine. It's a lot about playing to safe, like aggressive shots to, to conservative locations is I think the term that a lot of them have coined. So um, you can't bite off more than you can chew because you will make double or triple bogey real fast and eject out of this thing. So after running through that, which I, I generally agree with, does that change the way you are going to be playing jock market this week? Will you short guys near the top? Will you be, uh, building a larger portfolio? Will you live further down in the, in the, in the penny stock range? Like, will this change the way that you compose a portfolio? Um, it's a difficult question because a lot of that depends sort of on how pricing evolves over the next 40 minutes here. But ultimately I'm, I'll say this, I'm more scared of the top of the board at PJ national than I am at the Genesis invitational. Like you kind of know there isn't, there's zero water at Riviera. Like you can hit it out of bounds to the parking lot and you get a free drop. So there's really no, no penalties out there. Um, And it just felt like all those guys were relatively safe. When you look at Rory and Scotty and Rom, 
Um, here, like Sung J.M. last year came in in great form. He came in off a win in the previous two years. Course history, check. Form, check. Miscut, check. Like, it happens to guys every single year. Would it surprise me if Sung J.M. or Shane Lowry straight up missed the cut this week and end up at a dollar per share? Absolutely not. That's kind of what we see every year out of this place, and it's going to nab two or three of them at the top of the board and blow them up. Okay, well, let's start uh, naming names here. We'll play bullish or bearish. This is an opportunity for Joe and I to take a stand on four different golfers, and that's right, decide whether we are bullish or bearish. So let's start, Joe, with one of the guys at the top of the betting board. Uh, It's Billy Horschel, and he is coming in. Whoops, let's try it like that. He's coming in off of a a miscut at the Genesis. He missed the cut at the Sony Open, but he made the cut, and he's kind of just been all over the place uh, at the Phoenix Open, are you bullish or bearish on Billy Ho tonight? I'm bearish. Um, just because I think, Rick, I think a lot of people um, will somewhat gravitate. People tend to gravitate a little bit toward course history, which normally I do. I kind of take it and throw it in the trash at the Honda Classic. I don't think it's worth much. He actually doesn't have great finishes here. I don't believe anything inside of like a top 18 in the last five years. So, There's two things for me. One, he's kind of has the course history narrative, which I'm sort of completely overlooking this week. He has this narrative that he likes PGA National and he's playing his, what, fourth or fifth consecutive weeks because he would never consider skipping this event. Um, I'm not going to buy into that. And the other thing is, Rick, is you look long term with Billy Horschel and he's a he's not a off the tee like stud but he's a very modest gainer off the tee um his last 24 rounds have not been good off the tee so he's lost it a little bit with the driver which is big time trouble here couple that with maybe some inflated pricing due to course history and i'll be a bear on horschel interesting i'm probably that is all fair I'm probably more bullish. I'm definitely more bullish than you are. I don't know if I'm super excited about it. This is just one of those weird spots where I tend to give a longer term view, like last 100 rounds when you've got the volatility, you've got the weaker field. There's not a ton of guys who are playing super great coming into this event, and it would not surprise me to see one of these top guys who are even struggling snap off and figure it out and he's like what third or fourth in the betting odds and i don't know yeah i'm i'm not super excited if i was building a portfolio with billy horschel he would be a small portion of it but i i think i'm more bullish on him than than you are okay uh, next up, Taylor Pendrith. This speaking of guys, I'm I'm bullish on. Like I, I own Taylor Pendrith in like basically every season long fantasy league that I'm in. Uh, though he's coming off a T57 in Phoenix, and he hasn't really put up a ton of great results this season outside the T7 at, at Pebble Beach. Um, where do you stand, bullish or bearish, on Taylor Pendrith? Yeah, I'm actually bullish on on Pendrith as well. Um, I think that he had a good finish here last year, one of his better ball-striking events of the entire season, besides essentially the Rocket Mortgage, where he finished second there. Um, the other thing with, with Pendrith is... You know, you, you it's not a long course by any means. That said, there's only two par fives. So the yardage on some of the par fours plays a little bit longer. It's essentially at sea level. There are many holes, the other thing, that require, or they don't require, but they suggest that you may be clubbed down and place an increased importance on 
hitting the fairway and not dumping it in the water. Um, I kind of saw him do that very well at Pebble Beach a few weeks ago um, in a similar set where he he had a good finish and made a nice Sunday charge. Um, it all sort of price point dependent, but at this fair value projection, I'm bullish on on Pendy. Yeah, I think what you mentioned there is what makes me slightly bullish on on Pendrith. You know, the 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 driver has not been working, right? And that's a little bit scary because he's such a great driver of the golf ball, but he's lost off the tee in three of his last four. But what you mentioned where you can club down, especially a guy of his length, and try to avoid some of the disaster and just put yourself in better positions. Again, you you nailed it. Uh, spe- like that's exactly what you have to do at Pebble Beach, and that's where he goes out and finishes. He finishes T seven at that at that uh, three course rotation. That makes me much more bullish, and it feels it does feel like a pretty decent buy low spot because I think. For the most part, people would look at this stat profile, not be particularly excited about it. But I think you've got to go a couple layers deep on this one. Yeah, I totally agree. See, distance is one of those things where um, a lot of times immediately everyone sees distance and they think of driving distance. Right. But it's also how far can you hit a four iron? Because Taylor Pendrith can hit it farther than just about anybody in the field off the tee. And we've seen guys have success with that. Keith Mitchell did that very well. Luke List did that very well. Justin Thomas, even when he won here, um, just took like three or four iron off the tee quite a bit. Because if you can hit that thing 240 yards, it's a huge advantage and still be in the fairway to be able to take a, you know, not such a club that's so volatile like the driver. So good point on Pendrith there. The next golfer, Adam. Svensson. Uh, here's his stat profile, Joe. I'll, I mean, I think I might know the answer to this, but bullish or bearish on Adam Svensson? This is a, this is a tough one for me, man. I think I'm going to go bearish just because yeah. I see his popularity, man. It's like... Yeah. Um, I, I was one of the like early betters who got in at a good number on him. That said, there's a ton of missed cuts in here. And I actually... Not that I want to see him play bad that doesn't make any sense the week before like I don't want to bet a guy who just played really poorly but the way he did it last week with a lot of around the green and putting is not necessarily like something that you see often from Adam Svensson so asking him to sort of have a repeat performance when his actual strength the ball striking you see you have the numbers right there two consecutive events over two strokes lost ball striking Both of those are big red flags for me. Plus, I think a little bit of popularity coming back to a spot where, where, look, he was in this thing on Sunday, and I think that there was a lot of good numbers out there. It's where a lot of people first became really familiar with Adam Svensson, seeing him in one of the final groups on Sunday. Um, I I love the guy, but I'm going to go bearish. Bearish, yeah. This is a scary profile, you know, and we see it all the time where a guy wins and then struggles. That's fine. You know, it's, it's, hey, I've got my card for a couple of years. I can take a breath. I've got money in the bank account. Yeah, it's hard to grind immediately after that. And he finished 37th of the tournament champions out of like 39, 41st at the Sony where he, you know, was probably much better than that in terms of the betting odds. Missed two cuts at the elevated at the, at the farmers in the WM Phoenix open. Then he gets the great result, but in like the worst way possible, the 11 strokes gained uh, in the short game categories. Yeah, this is a, this is a very, very scary trappy feeling stat profile. And if he was going anywhere besides PGA national. I don't think he'd be catching this much steam, but because he's going back to a place where he had success, people are in, uh, I'm out. I'll take Agree. it. Yeah. Bearish 100%. there. Uh, Matt Kuchar. That's not a name we talk about a lot. Uh, Kuch coming off a pretty decent week. 
last week at the Genesis, Joe. Are you bullish or bearish on Cooch? I'm going to go bullish. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of really strong finishes this year, not only at the Genesis, but also at the Sony, too. Look, I didn't really look too much into his course history here, but I'm not factoring that in a ton anyways. He is a guy that historically has played pretty well and is familiar in Florida. He also, his strengths of his game and being able to steadily hit driver and pound fairways should set up very nicely here. We know that he sort of tends to, when he plays his best, lean on the putter a little bit, which I'm also okay with. But the other thing is I just love that he's playing, right? I, 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 I'm biased in the fact I want to see more top guys play here so I'm always looking out anxiously for the field but this is an opportunity like he's sitting right at like I think 64 in the OWGR like he's desperately wants to be in the Masters field he desperately wants to get in all these majors and you see other guys I would consider like sort of in his range Ricky Jason Day these type of players who have kind of elected hovering right around that that number for the Masters to take the week off. I think this is a big week for him to make a jump up those rankings. If he can finish like top three this week, he could potentially put himself in a position to get back to where he's familiar, and that's in the major championships, and that's at Augusta National, which obviously is his favorite stop in the world. I'm bullish. I think he's motivated and playing good golf. I'll take some cooch. Uh, yeah, so am I. I I'm, not, I'm not generally bullish on coocher. I but. Like, like, let's look at the profile. Profile looks good. Looks fine. G- gains eight strokes. Ball striking 12 and a half from T to green last week. And just his general DNA, keep it inside. Keep it inside the lines. Keep it inside the short grass. Don't get too crazy. Don't bring in too much trouble. Plays itself well at PGA National. Bearish, on, or excuse me, bullish on Matt Kuchar. Okay. Uh, if you want to get involved, the code you're looking for is power. There's a link in the description. We'll get you your $100 deposit uh, bonus and get you all set up to join a cash market or you can enter uh, a paid contest and have guaranteed payouts at the top. A lot, a lot of different ways to get involved in jock market. But Joe, I'm about to unveil the big board tonight. Uh, the odds makers would tell you this is a two-horse race at the top. Sung JM and Shane Lowry. Do you see tonight's jock market sh- shaking out the same way? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't think they're going to eclipse some of the marks that we've seen recently, even though they're like Sung JM's coming in at eight to one, right? Like John Rahm was what, eight, nine to one last week. There's a similar betting price. That said, I don't I don't see foresee him eclipsing like eleven dollars and fifty cents like we've been used to out of John Rahm just because. I think naturally at PGA National, the floor on performances is miscut where there was really no scenario. John Rahm was like finishing outside the top 15 last week um, with the way he's playing. So, uh, yeah, I think that those are the top two guys to answer your question. All right. Well, spoiler alert. Uh, They're the top two guys already in this market. Sung J.M. currently at $9.24 per share. Shane Lowry at $8.50. What does that mean? Well, Sung J at $9.24 right now would need to finish 13th or better to return you a profit. $9.50 is the payout for 13th. Uh, Shane Lowry's at $8.51. He, is, he would have to finish 16th or better right now. So obviously we've got about another half hour or so before – this market closes, so those are going to continue to rise. Uh, in a tier to his own is Aaron Wise, seven dollars and four cents. It's a dollar fifty gap from Shane Lowry to Aaron Wise, and another dollar or so from Wise to Denny McCarthy. I've been wondering, Joe, what the market is going to do 
with Wise. I think he's one of the most interesting players on the slate tonight. Yeah, um, just to go back to kind of where you sort of led off the show when we were talking about Horschel, yeah, it feels kind of like one of these top-end players that we had very high expectations of and have long-term been really good performers, but maybe short-term struggled a little bit. Just come in and snap this thing off, right? He's had good performances at the Honda before. He was very, like, he was... So when we did the preseason, like season long fantasy rankings, like he was flirting right around the top 20, you know, for a lot of people. So in that sense, he would be like, besides Sung Jae-in, the second highest rated player in this field for a lot of people coming into the season. Um, it's not like Shane Lowry's exactly been playing fantastic. Neither is Aaron Wise, but I don't mind taking a discount on someone uh, like Wise this week rather than than paying up at the top. Denny McCarthy is 591. Uh, missed the cut it in Phoenix, but otherwise has been pretty stellar. His last missed cut before that was Las Vegas, was, was Shriners. Had a great Saturday at Riviera, finished T14 there, T4 at Pebble. I, I Joe, had to, uh, I had a lot of Alex Noren exposure uh, this week and then had to basically shift it all to Denny McCarthy. I don't know if I feel good or bad about that, but I'm invested in this guy. You are? Yeah, let's go. I never, um, I never am, but like here, here I am. It, it just, I don't know. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, so here's something about Denny. First of all, me putting this out there, I will have zero. I don't know if you can see my screen shares of Denny tonight. Oh. He will be the winner of the Honda Classic, but I'll yeah. have no shares of him. Yeah, um, this so is such make a, sure you don't grab any. Such um, a bit. But yeah, yeah, look, I love that. Like you know, I love him, but he's like starting to turn into this guy who when conditions are difficult like shows up and that's not the profile of player that you would expect of him but Saturday at the Genesis was I believe the most difficult from a scoring average standpoint he went off um Saturday at Pebble was the most difficult he went off um he showed up at the US Open he showed up at Southern Hills like the guy is is just playing good golf for a long time now like it's almost been 9 months of course he's not like his top end talent isn't at the level of those other guys we see. So you're going to have missed cuts sprinkled in there. But the fact that he's been like top tening events with big time major fields um, leads me to believe this is a home game for Denny too. He lives right here. So maybe uh, maybe this is the opportunity that he's been waiting for coming in in good form to a place where he's he's played before and had some success. Like, let's go out there and it's time. It's time for our boy to get a win. 591 per share right now. That's about 28th or better. Denny's obviously going to climb. How about these next two rounding out the $5 range? Couple of, um, I don't want to say like unknown euros, but like if you're only a casual fan of the PGA Tour, Thomas Dietrich and Minwoo Lee might not be on everybody's radar. Let's assume you could only have one of them, Joe. Which, which one do you think it is that ends up in your portfolio? For me, it's Dietrich, but I'm I'll I'll flip it to you, Rick, because I am kind of one of those people that like exclusively follow the 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 PGA tour. I really don't have much on Minwoo Lee. Like, who would you rather have as someone who more closely follows the European tour stuff? So I love both of these guys, right? Okay. Uh, I think Dietrich's a little safer. Like, and if you look at the stat profiles, um, Dietrich, you know, he plays in he's played some of these more difficult events. Uh, he he played the Genesis finished T33. You can see it's like T33, T37, T. 
T37, T26. Like these are all great finishes. I think he's pretty safe. Minwoo's like the high upside, um, high risk, high reward guy where he hasn't played a PGA Tour event since the Open Championship. By the way, he made the cut in three majors last year. Um, and he has been just slaying the DP world tour. It's eight straight top 13 finishes. Five of them are fourth or better. Say what you will about these fields, but these are fields that Cam Smith won. These are fields that John Rahm won. These are fields that Rory McIlroy won. Like these, they at least had a little bit of star power. I'm, I'm, I'm in on, I'm in on Midwill. He's a, he's a very talented, well-rounded player and he can, uh, he's no Denny McCarthy, but he can fill it up, man. He can, is that his strength putting? Yeah. Historically, that's always been his strength, but he's, he's like now hitting it so much, but you know, the other thing is this, and this is kind of, I don't know how far you are from Tiburon, but, uh, that's going to be a co a a mixed event next year. If there is not a Min Woo and Minji Lee pairing, and they should be the favorite. Yeah, she's like the best. She's like one of the top yeah. three women's players in the world. That I, they'd be the favorites to win it. That's like, awesome. Um, I would say, do you know who he's paired playing with this week? Uh, like Min, what Min Woo's tea time is? Yeah, like I didn't know if he was uh, in like a, one of the big groups. He I'm is, interested to no, watch him, not. which is why I ask you. He's not. Um, he's in. Uh, he's going out with Bill Haas and Satoshi Kadaira at eight fifty six. Okay. Well, I'll have to uh, catch him at least for a couple holes and follow him because I like seeing those type of players. We get, you know, historically we get a lot of the the European tour guys. You know, kind of as Orlando as a hub. Like I can remember, this was one of the first places Tommy Fleetwood played and Matt Wallace when he was on his good run. So uh, excited to see what he has in store for us this week. I love it. All right, let's flip this around a little bit here. We're going to go by the pre-ranks. Now, the pre-ranks are very important in the jock market because they break all the ties. So, for example, the number one pre-ranked golfer, Sung J.M., breaks all the ties. If he's in a 10-way tie for second, he gets the full $20 per share payout. Denny McCarthy, very, very nice uh, two on that pre-rank. Shane Lowry, fourth. So, let's uh, round out this top 10 here, Joe. We've talked about most of these guys. A couple of guys we haven't were... Zayden Hope, Chris Kirk, Danny Willett. I think that's actually probably it. Any thoughts on them or should we move to 11 to 20? Uh, I think we covered most of these guys. Interested yeah. to see, like, they they did a good job, I think, with the pre-ranks. Sometimes when you get a new player like Min Woo Lee, like, all of a sudden they're way down at, like, 67 because they don't have a lot of history with him. Uh, so I think they did a pretty good job ranking these guys. I also week. think the fair values look better. They do 100%. I was going to mention that off the top, but yeah, they look they look much more in line with what we were familiar with last year. So they they apparently made a little adjustment there, which is good to see. Yeah, we've been obviously, I mean, we'll be critical if the fair rankings, if the fair values are off, these look these look great. So these look like they're, they're like they're right back at it. Uh 11 through 20 here. We talked about a couple of these guys, but um you know, Johnny Vegas is playing well and Harris English had a decent result last week. Is there anybody else in this 11 to 20 range that we have not talked about that you think is worth hollering? You know, I have some interest in Harris English this week. I'm worried because he's naturally um, loses it off the tee at times, which worries me out here. But at the same token, I do feel like this is a good spot for kind of him to to snap back into some form and get his get a little bit of his confidence back playing one of these weaker field events. Obviously, a T12 at the Genesis has to boost that confidence a little bit as well. These, uh, for whatever it is, like these guys, these Sea Island and Georgia guys always play really well at the Honda from Straka and Mitchell and obviously Harris English coming down here. So I do feel like he's he's in that tier of player who 
um, is kind of like Kucher, who I think is seeing some steps in the right direction and has a high-end talent level above those guys near to him. Now, anything can go wrong quickly at the Honda, but I do think we could potentially see him contend this week. 21 through 30. It's like Grayson Sig, Davis, Riley Camp, Davis, uh, Hayden Buckley, Robbie Shelton. There's a couple of guys in this range, Joe, that I like, which we can we can talk about. But um, is there someone that stands out as a favorite for you? I like Poston. Okay. Um, you know, he had a run of great finishes, a bunch of top 20 or 21st in a row, I should say. Then the six at the Amex coming off a couple bad starts. But I do feel like he's back here on this coast where he normally plays better golf back on Bermuda grass greens. Um, I just I like his game overall. You could see for the majority of those starts, he is gaining some strokes off the tee on this most recent run, which is helpful. And we know what a great putter he is typically. So I like him. But there's a lot of these guys like I'm interested in Davis Riley this week, Um, a guy probably a year ago. If we take the clock back a year ago, like it was like. Cam Young, 1A, and then it was like Davis Riley, 1B, and then it was like Sahith and these other guys below him. So uh, underperformed recently, uh, but I think, again, getting back to Bermuda grass, getting back on a course where he had a little bit of success last year, um, maybe he can potentially turn it around, and I do like a young player who's motivated and, and just needs to show up and play well for FedEx Cup reasons. Yeah, he had a run from like what would that have been it would have been from Valspar to the U.S. Open where we were like ready to crown him rookie of the year like it was yeah, over. totally it was over and then he just kind of completely fell off uh the other ones that stand out here Joseph Bramlett has played a lot better I really worry that he's now got to put on Bermuda instead of Poana but he's gone 147 percent ROI 146 T7, T13 at Pebble and at Farmers that that has me interested and then I had his stat profile up here uh, for a second, but Robbie Shelton has just kind of gotten lost in the mix for some bizarre reason because he's maybe just because we haven't seen him since Pebble Beach, but he finished T20 there. He had a T6 at the American Express. He's got five or excuse me, three top 20s in his last five starts. And I think he was coming into the year. Another guy I got a lot of in like season long drafts. So uh, Robbie Shelton is probably a guy I'd, I'd run back out there. I like that. I like, you know, I love a lot of guys in this range. I like yeah. Buckley. Like, I love the Sony comp to this place. I've noticed is pretty good year over year. Just the way that the course plays, being coastal. Um, there, it, there's just a lot of similar elements. And he obviously played so well there. Grayson Sig's hot. Cameron Davis, like, we're, we're all waiting for him to, like, <laughs> flip the switch here. And it does feel like he can. Um, it's just, he's in a little bit of a rut, but this is a nice range here. I think 20 to 30. It is a really nice range. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good options there. Let's continue and find some value. So we'll go 31 to 40. Ben Griffin is here. He's had one bad start. Everything else has generally been fine. That's the name that most jumps out to me, Joe. Am I missing somebody? Um, no, I think that's pretty good. Um, I, you know, I have some interest in Will Gordon um, is another young player. Zach Johnson, I actually kind of like this week, depending on where his price is. Um, He has said some things that his, you know, everyone says this, but that his game is really trending in the right. You can kind of see it a little bit in the graph that you have there, um, how it's kind of a little bit back on the upswing. Good finish in Phoenix in in an elevated event. Um, made the cut at the Amex. Maybe this is a spot like if you can get him at a price point where you need him to finish like, I don't know, 36 or better. I kind of like Zach Johnson. 40 to 50. 
Lee Hodges played well last week. He's the only, he's basically the only guy who has moved off of a dollar. I'll refresh this in a second. Um, anybody in this area that has your attention? Uh, Brandon Wu. Okay. Like him. Love the finish he had at Pebble. He kind of backed it up with a really hot start out of the gates in Phoenix. So I've been kind of tracking him a lot because I've been he's been on the on the Coconuts fantasy roster. There so I've been go. throwing him out there. He's back out on the on the field again this week. So we'll be excited to see him play and see if he can carry over some of that West Coast success and confidence over here to Southeast Florida. Uh, I just gave the big board a refresh, so we'll get the updated numbers here. But I want to continue because this is a game where literally everybody in the field is available. Um, 50 to 60. The one that stands out to me is Tyson Alexander. I just I just like his game. He's currently $2.77. Um, I, I think that he is uh, probably better suited for a place like PGA Nashville than a couple of other spots. Uh, is there a name or two out of the 50s that you think is worth an investment? Where are I'm sorry, I went to the next page. Okay. Um, yeah, I like Alexander. Malnati was okay for a little bit of stretch there. Matias Schwab had a good finish last year. I've actually taken him in a matchup this week, who I kind of like. He's already at two dollars and thirty cents. And then Ben On's pretty popular, already a big jump up to four dollars. So he has had some success here at PGA in the past. Um, you know, I I'm not was he playing really well on the, he had to go back through corn Ferry to re get his card. Correct. Yeah. So he, he goes through corn Ferry, He gets his card. He starts with that T four at Fortinet that he kind of, uh, I don't, I don't think he coughed it up once, but like he didn't play well on, on Sunday. He's got a, I mean, okay. he's, he's, he's playing much better T 12 at Sony. If you like that comp and then yeah, his Honda classic stuff, I think is pretty great, right? Yeah. T four in 2020 T five in 2018 ball strikes the heck out of it. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense on why he's probably, catching a lot of steam yep second page here um we're deep into it now i i don't mind garrick higo uh i i think that he's trending in the right direction he uh finishes t67 which is probably i guess a miscut at phoenix on the number and then had you know the t20 at pebble he had a good run before that so a lot of uh decent play from from higo who's four bucks a share right now anybody on this screen that you see yeah, you make a good point on Higo. And the thing with there and what I look for in, in a lot of these guys down here is is just the high-end upside. Like, there's not much yeah. risk there. I tend to get more shares. I was looking, Rick, at a maybe like the first comment, and it was like, do you have any strategies for number of shares per golfer? Yes, there it is from Jesse. Um, I do, Jesse. I don't know that this is the best strategy, but I'll share mine. I do like to grab more because you can get a guy for $2 a share, and for 60 bucks, say, you can grab 30 shares of that player. So I have a strategy of trying to build more shares down there than I do at the top, sort of like how you would stagger a betting card. So for the same $60, maybe get six shares of Sung JM this week. Um, in many cases, I'd rather have the 30 of someone potentially like Garrick Hago, who has that high-end upside, who you're not asking to win, but this is where we see the massive jumps in ROI. And keep in mind, too, that you're getting back a dollar per share out of that. So if you're at two bucks, you only go down to one, you're getting 30 of your $60 back in a, essentially. So it makes a little bit of the risk more, you're more willing to take on some of that risk when you know that there is a return there and the ROI jumps are huge. Seems reasonable to me. Okay. Uh, so we are in the midst of a Wednesday night IPO for, tomorrow's honda classic we're playing stock market dfs in the jock market you can get involved the code's power there's a link in the description that'll get you your deposit bonus this market joe getting very mature very quickly uh the top of it 
uh, holding strong with Sung Jam at $9.24 per share. So that is asking him to finish about 13th or better. Shane Lowry, $8.73. That's asking him to finish about 15th or better. Then we've got Aaron Wise and then the usual suspect. This is what I imagine is going to happen. And maybe, maybe, I don't know if we'll have Aaron Wise or a guy who's like in third by himself, but I imagine four through 12 is going to feel very, very similar. Yeah, I think Horschel could kind of make that run there. Chris Kirk, we've seen some dollars come in who had like back-to-back great finishes early this season. Also, is, I believe, top five here at the Honda before. So we're going to see those guys kind of level out. But like we kind of talked about at the top, it's it's going to be Sung Jay, Len Lowry, and then this group of like three through ten that are all pretty close. I'll tell you what, there is a 10th pre-ranked Danny Willett, who is only $4.51 a share, who finished 18th at Riviera, who returns you a profit at Pebble Beach. And also, I just think in general, Joe, when par is a good score and when things get a little weird and a little wonky... Danny Willett and I like it's we I feel bizarre like I'm not a Matt Kuchar or Danny Willett guy but here we are right this yeah, is, this is the are. week right like there's a week for everybody absolutely yeah good to see him I didn't even realize that he top 20 at the Genesis what did he do it with mostly just out of curiosity I'll find out for you okay um, but I like Willett like he's moved to Florida within the last two years so now Florida is basically Danny's home base up near Jacksonville um, I followed him for a little bit of the Honda last year where he lost a couple off the tee and I, and didn't play too well. But um, look, the guys wanted Augusta. He's almost won the Fortinet in the fall. Um, he's a guy that you can kind of trust in most situations in contention. Uh, very well-rounded last week. He gained off yeah. the tee, gained on approach, gained around the green and lost a tiny bit, 0.12 with the putter. So that's like 5.7 that. strokes from tee green. That's about as good as you're going to get for, especially with a, I think, I think it's a pretty generous pre-rank at, at 10th. So no problem, no problem there. Quick thoughts on Johnny Vegas, right? I think um, for me, Joe, he's going to have to just out hit his putter because he's a horrendous putter, but uh, he's kind of been doing that. Yeah. Um, The ball striking numbers have been, been pretty fantastic for him. Um, We know what his strengths are. I, I, my only worry is I know that I've heard his name brought up a lot, which usually leads to popularity, which usually leads to more people buying shares of him ultimately in the jock market. Um, Another guy with great track record around the Honda. I can remember a number of those years. There were like Saturday afternoons where Vegas was on the top of the leaderboard. Um, So he has always been able to sort of figure this place out, but every year is a new thing. And one bad shot goes the wrong way and things can go downhill very quickly. Um, and yeah, you're, you're right. Just, just lack of putting in general, he's going to really have to perform it at an elite level to sort of overcome that. All right, Joe, why don't you get out of here and right. go get your bids in? So we'll, uh, we'll part ways with Joe for a couple minutes while he goes into the market and definitely wink, wink does not buy any shares of Danny McCarthy. And we'll check back in with him in a couple of minutes and see where everything stands. And I'll take you the rest of the way. So, uh, here's an update on the big board. Sung JM still holds strong at the top. Shane Lowry in second. And there is a little bit of a move from Min Woo Lee. Uh, his jock market results are not going to obviously not going to be reflective of his overall golf results because he's played like 18 events since the last time he was in a cash market, which was the open championship, which by the way, he returns you 149% ROI. He's your fifth pre-ranked golfer. If we turn this around and look at the top 10 golfers, uh, Danny Willett is still 
the cheapest top 10 golfer that you can get $4.65. There are plenty of guys who have uh, higher pre-ranks that are more expensive than him right now. Just off the top, Straka, English, Pendrith, uh, Aaron Rye, Dietrich, Vegas, all, all of these guys currently more expensive than Danny Willett. I think that uh, that will figure itself out over the course of the next couple of minutes. I'm interested just to see there are currently like a dozen guys in the $5 range, maybe more than that. And that, and that's what tonight might be. It might just be a one, a two and everybody else. We'll see JT posted up to $6 and 12 cents. He's about 50 cents away from his fair value. In fact, there's a lot of these guys who have plenty of room to get to their fair, fair values for tonight. Taylor Pendrith has uh, nearly $2 to get to his Aaron Rye about a dollar and 80 to get to his Hayden Buckley, about 60 cents away from his going a little bit further down the board for some of the guys that we've discussed or some of the guys maybe we should have discussed Gary Kigos uh, twice the price of his fair value, probably still warranted four dollars and 11 cents at the moment uh i actually the most that i could like kevin tway i like kevin tway right <laughs> i don't i don't think he's gonna win the golf tournament but i think he can finish 21st something like that he's three dollars and 83 cents at the moment his fair value was 226 so we have blown right through that let's go to the second page real quick and see what's cooking up over here uh here's pearson cootie if you don't know him, he's uh, the tw twice winner on the Corn Ferry Tour in his last 12 starts. He's from the University of Texas. Do not confuse him with his twin brother, Parker Cootie, who is also in this field, who Monday qualified in. They're both good. Pearson, uh, very young career, is very early. Pearson, more qualified, more decorated thus far. Both of them in this field. Uh, what else do we have here? We've got Kyle Westmoreland, who I'll tell you what, has actually a pretty decent stat profile brewing and a little bit unlucky to miss as many cuts as he has. Finished T29 at AT&T Pebble Beach. Hits the ball an absolute mile. And then really low on this board, speaking of guys that hit it a mile, Brandon Matthews is $1.94. Here's Parker Cootie, 189 And as Joe always likes to remind us, the lowest he can go is a dollar, right? So it's really only an $0.89 cent risk per share when you start getting that close to the $1 mark. 8.57 p.m. Eastern time, and this market's got a couple of minutes left in it. And with a couple of minutes to go, here comes the Sungjae momentum, $10.42. This is now the most expensive Sungjae's been since the Zozo Championship. He was $10.50 that week, and that was not the most expensive he's ever been. Actually, I'll tell you what, most expensive he's ever been was uh, the year after he won this event. The next year at the Honda, he was $11. He finished T8 and actually returned you a profit there. So we are kind of closing in on some historical pricing for Sungjae. Shane Lowry, 873. That is the most expensive he's been since the Wyndham Championship. He was 905. Denny McCarthy at 753. He's now taken over this third spot in this market. This is the most expensive he's been since Bermuda and generally one of the more expensive he's been in quite some time. Matt Kuchar, 733. Looking at his recent results this might be this might be an all-timer for cooch it is the most expensive matt kuchar has ever been in a cash market right now seven dollars and 33 cents per share with aaron wise and minwoo lee rounding out the seven dollar tier here comes billy uh still three bucks short of his fair value but billy horschel six dollars and 75 cents at the moment it's actually not that bad he was only 633 at the sony open he was 779 at mayakoba i mean this is a pretty fair price on billy horschel if you start looking back at historic stuff svenson 661 
thirty cents off of his fair value. Uh, was only two sixty four last week, so you're you're paying a little bit more here or a lot more. But we've seen him in the four, five, and six dollar range in some of these weaker field events. Let's refresh the big board. Eight fifty eight going on eight. Oh, just turned eight fifty nine. So we've got a, a minute or less of this market to go. Sung J M continuing to power through another quarter added to his price now ten fifty. Lowry and Denny the only two in the in the eight dollar range. Denny carving out kind of a, a spot in third by himself. Looking at the top 10, still a lag on Danny Willett, 567. Uh, Christian Bezadenho, 576. Those are the cheapest top 10 golfers that you can get. Remember, this is a uh, a market where the, the pre-rank breaks your ties. Let's see what else we got here. A little bit of movement on Adrian Moronk. He's now up to 574. He's the 18th pre-ranked golfer. Still plenty of room for uh, for him to get to his fair value. Steven Yeager basically right on top of his fair value. And Lee Hodges has just passed his $5.20. It was $4.96. Uh, the people don't know what to do on Cam Davis. He's 505. Fair value 629. It's pretty cheap, but he's been pretty bad. He's been a loser. Oh, in- no. Oh, no. Did you miss it? No, one of you, somebody got me on Denny. You were asking for it. IPO is closed. IPO is closed. And I got snaked, I think, by Penny on Denny. A Penny on Denny. Yep. Wow. Oh, that's tough. Tough scene not having any shares. That's okay. All right. Well, IPO is closed. So here, here's what's going to happen. The dust is going to settle. Jock market's going to uh, execute all these bids and 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 get everybody into the portfolios. And then we're going to see what the pricing was and what Joe ended up with in his portfolio. Power is the code you need if you want to get involved. There's a link in the description. Do you have? Uh, do you I have do. Your yes. shares? Okay. All right. Let's go through your shares and then we will look at what the final pricing ended up with. I'm ready when you are. Okay, 636 and 635 would be JT Poston and Taylor Pendrith. Um, And then basically cheapies, man. I I mentioned I lost out on Denny late. Um, Zach Johnson, 384. Callum Terran, 397. Ryan Armour, 301. Pearson Cootie, I'm sorry, 316. And then Greg Chalmers at $1.88 per share i'm heartbroken to not have mccarthy in the portfolio but you know what rick i can still get some that's right you can just go just go get some more right now go get some post and pendrith zach johnson Callum taron ryan armor pearson cootie greg chalmers for joe's portfolio let us know who you got uh as we kind of see okay i have the final pricing now so here we go sung j 1075 Almost an all-time high. Uh, nothing outrageous. Pretty fair considering what his betting price is, I would assume. Yeah, um, totally agree. It, it, it didn't get to the fair value, but we knew it was never going to get there. You know, it, 10 bucks a share, asking him to basically top, what is it, top 11 this week? Um, that's a that's a tough ask out of anybody at the Honda. That said, he's he's the best player in the field. Three golfers in the $8 range. Lowry, 873. Wise at 816. Denny at 801. That closely resembles, well, I'll I'll pull it. I guess it depends. But that that's pretty on par with what the betting market was. They just had a bunch of guys lumped in there at like 25 to 1. Totally. Yeah. I think Horsha was there. Yeah, Minwoo was there. 
Um, but yeah, it, it does kind of mirror exactly like you said, the betting market. Um, you know, Lowry, I think, is maybe a little bit undervalued of all of them because you so you're asking Lowry there in a sense to finish top 15 and you go down two spots and you need Denny to finish top 17. So um, Lowry's a, a good bit of a better player. So I think that that's probably ultimately the buy there. But as we mentioned a number of times, asking anyone to just show up here in top 20, no matter who they are, is, is a difficult ask. Yeah, kind of just I'm, I'm just kind of looking across the uh, the the odds here. Lowry might be a little underpriced. So if you got some Lowry, I think that's good. I think Horschel might be a little underpriced. I think Svensson actually might be a little bit underpriced. And I think Chris Kirk might be a little overpriced. I think that uh, that's probably – Dietrich might be a little expensive. And Vegas might be a little expensive. But otherwise, it's it's close. It's within it's within a quarter probably of what, what I would expect here. Yeah, absolutely. When I'm, I'm looking at the pre-rank and, um, man, Webb Simpson – my, how the mighty have fallen, but you kind of expect like, I don't know, it 361 a share, right? Top 15 pre-rank, which, which of course he doesn't quite deserve right now, given his current form. But, you know, you see day do it. You see Kucher kind of do it. I talked about English, maybe being a guy that could snap back into some form. Um, he's definitely had a lot more success on this coast, I would say shifting over here and, and I kind of wonder if that's a decent number to take a stab on web. It basically, you know, the fair value is a little bit off, but it's basically half of his fair value projection he went for. Harry Higgs at 345, he's been playing better. He's been a he winner has. in five out of seven markets. Uh, that's actually not so bad because he's basically being priced in the same way he was at Pebble Beach. And this is, I mean, that's no strong field, but this is weaker than that. Yeah, agree. That's, that's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Any, anything else that stands out to you or this looks pretty good? Looks pretty good. Ben Griffin at 544. Like I, I didn't know that um, I was hoping to get him. He was the other guy that I was hoping to get right around the $5 mark. Uh, but yeah, everything else looks pretty good, man. I'm excited for, for what we have in store this week. Like it's an awesome viewing tournament. I think from TV and being there, there's a ton of fan support. So um, hopefully I'm hopeful for next year. I've I've heard rumblings that there is a sponsor uh, in place from a certain air conditioning company that hopefully is coming along next year. Uh, and and we're going to get it back at PGA National. I'm confident. And hopefully maybe we'll get maybe the tour will throw us a bone on the schedule or, or elevating us up to the next level. I can't even name an air conditioning company. Um, I literally cannot name an air conditioning company. Have I heard of this company? Yeah, you heard of it. Hmm, okay. Um, the fun has just begun. Yeah. Because we're going live here. The market's live. So you can continue to put your bids in. You can get out of guys. You can sell shares. You could short guys. Uh, and then you can wake up early on Thursday morning and watch uh, somebody dunk two into yeah. the water and eject on the second hole. Yeah, we're back. Good luck, friends, on the West Coast time like you have because you will wake up and your player will be seven holes into this thing and maybe six or seven over par. Yeah, it but, happens all the time. But yeah. there are wild like, OK, so the year that Sung Jay won, I think that he was like plus three after day one and, and maybe even two over going a, a bit into like halfway through his second round. Um, there are opportunities out there. And what we had seen um, 
if you're a couple over par, you are by no means out of this thing. If you can shoot three or four under and just get to even or slightly under par through the cut, um, there's years, depending on the win, where six, seven under can definitely win this tournament. The real West Coast sweat is waking up, and in the time it takes you to wake up and roll over to check your phone, wondering how much of my how many of my lineups are dead how many of my bets are dead that that's the real west coast sweat all right uh we'll do it all again next week for oh yes another elevated event the arnold palmer invitational then the players championship we roll on and we'll be here 8 15 p.m eastern time on the rick run good youtube channel next wednesday that right there is joe i don't you can follow him on twitter at tour picks you can find me at rick run good best of luck this week we'll talk to you soon thanks guys